Bearstone County contains explicit language and graphic content of all kinds and is not suitable for sensitive listeners or anyone under the age of 18. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 2, Noanel, Part 2, narrated by Luke Mott. As soon as the pale dawn spreads over the eastern sky, Amos gathers his sparse belongings, piles them into the passenger's box, and begins backtracking through the valley towards Cedar Rock. As for the bodies of the vagabonds he encountered during the night, he left them as they were, nameless, dead parasites to rot into obscurity covered in their own excrement. Hours pass and Amos remains silent aside from the occasional click of the tongue and whip of the reins. He falls deep into thought, the previous day's events having rattled loose pieces of memories he thought to have been drowned in the bottom of every empty whiskey bottle he'd laid eyes on over the years. A Ute girl, no more than six, plays in the foxtail grass with her mother. They laugh, they smile. The sun pours around them, swallowing them inside of a deceitful dream. They plead for mercy down the sights of his rifle. Who to kill first? Who watches the other die? The girl runs. She dies first, slowly. She tries to block the bullet with her hand, loses a finger, nicked in the ear. Next shot kills. The mother sees. She holds her baby, wailing in a pool of blood. And the pain shot to the head. Their bodies piled atop each other just before the lighting of a pyre in the middle of the village. Soldiers dance, black smoke covers the stars. No more. 
I'm so, I'm so sorry. Can't hear you. Can never forget. I can try. You will fail. What do you know about it? Amos spends the remainder of the day traversing through the sweltering heat, stopping only to water himself and his horse at intermittent springs and puddles. The night comes, agitated and sleepless, but it passes all the same. The next day is much of the same, driving, sweating, and thinking. Four days have passed since his last meal, and the weight of exhaustion paired with the light-headedness and blurry vision makes even writing intolerable. Knives tear at his stomach lining, and fire crawls from his chest to the back of his throat. He swoons with every shift in the trail, unable to keep his eyes fixed on the road. Luckily, there are no forks or turns between him and the trailhead, so he figures that if he keeps whipping the reins, he'll get there in due time. It's late afternoon when he finally emerges through the mouth of the canyon, covered in sweat and layers of filth and blood he'd rather not give much thought. The stench of the girl's body has begun to seep out of the tarp, rotting in the scorching summer sun for nearly two days. Swarms of flies infest the carriage and crawl over his grease-soaked skin, biting and buzzing. He lets them, marking it as a mild form of punishment from the forces that be. A murder of crows has trailed him for half a day, following the reek of death exuding in his wake. He notices, but only pays them half-mind. He treks a half-mile due north where he finds himself in front of a lone grove of junipers and cottonwoods no more than 100 yards wide. It's perched among a barren field consisting of unkempt buffalo grass and sporadic thickets of bearberry and sagebrush. He leans forward on the driver's bench, staring at the trees swaying in the ripples of heat. Squirrels and other critters chatter among the trees, and he debates whether or not to risk his last bullet on a prospective meal. As he tries to decide, a crow breaks from the flock and lands in front of him on the wooden dashboard, its head bobbing sporadically, then stabilizing, cocked to the side. The other birds land, scattered in the cottonwoods. Its black eye peers at Amos as if judging him, recognizing him in his sins. Amos slightly turns his head, furrowing his brow and squints at the bird. Do you know me? Amos's hand slides from the reins on his lap to the holster on his hip, shivering. He wraps his palm around the stock of his revolver, feeling the grip panels across his skin like sandpaper. Please, don't make me do this. 
In a wave of panic, he yanks out his revolver and blindly fires his last shot into the trees. Eventually, he steadies the barrel on the crow in front of him, but as he pulls the trigger, the hammer falls on empty cylinders. He swats at the bird with his revolver, landing a blow in its chest. Then it flies off among the others who continue their barrage of taunts and scorn. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Enough! Amos's head swoons as darkness fills his vision. Then his body gives up, collapsing on the driver's bench. By the time he comes to, night has long since fallen. He peels his eyes open and sees a cold glow of a full moon across the prairie. Beams of light stab through the cottonwood tops, blanketing the grove floor in white moonlight. Slowly, he sits up and takes a deep breath. Hope you don't mind. I made use of your tinderbox. Amos quickly turns toward the sound and jerks his hand to his holster. A man sits on the ground by a fresh fire, back perched against a rock, ankles crossed in front of him. He splays his left hand in front of his face but keeps his gaze on the fire. No need for that, Cher. Chamber's dry anyway. His black, wide-brimmed hat covers his eyes, and a strong jaw hangs over the collar of his black duster. The man smirks, watching a meat flank dangling at the end of a skewer over the open flames. I've been keeping an eye out for you. He twists the skewer. Interesting company you keep. (laughs) I didn't kill her. I know you didn't, Amos. The man watches the fire for a moment. I did. Why? That bonnie doe there tried to outrun her sins. But there's no outrunning what we carry with us. What sort of sins could she have committed? You'd be surprised. Amos feels the man's eyes fall on him. Or maybe you wouldn't. He yanks the meat from the skewer and rips a chunk off with his teeth and gnaws, greasy jaw swiveling like a bovine, then gulps it down. He waves his hand. Come get yourself some of this venison. You're looking frail, Cher. Amos rolls off the driver's bench and stumbles towards the fire. He flops onto the ground and careens backward, trying to fight off the swaying waves in his head. Voice for the where, are you? The man says as he adjusts himself, then leans forward, handing Amos a slab of cooked backstrap. Got whiskey? The man reaches for the bag on his right. Vice of choice? The man pours a splash of whiskey in an iron pannikin and hands it to Amos, who kicks it back, then rips off another bite. Another? The man nods to the cup, and Amos hands it to him. I'm glad you're enjoying your meal. 
You see, the trick to cooking off all that infection is in the heat. Even with all that disease the meat carries, deer, elk, human. Amos's mouth stops mid-chew and he glares at the man. Especially after sitting in still water for so long, one cannot be too careful to eradicate all the bacteria infesting fibers. But mm, nothing like the taste of a ripe harlot purified by fire. He opens his eyes, red irises looking back at Amos. The man smiles, a mouthful of rotten yellow teeth sharpened to points. But I'm not here for her. The skin on his face disintegrates to ash, revealing black tendons and fibers as if made of molasses dripping from his skull. Tell me, Amos, how does a dead whore satiate your voracious hunger? What are you? The man appears next to him. I am the Reckoning. This episode of Bearstone County was written, directed, and produced by Luke Mott with musical themes, scores, and sound design by Luke Mott. Starring Luke Mott as Amos, Mitra Mott as Noanel, Judy Decker as the mother, Elvira Mott as the little girl, Jordan McCarger as the stranger. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave a rating or review on whatever streaming service you listen on and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter at Bearstone County. Stories written in their original format can be found on our website, somniaticarts.com slash County. Thank you for listening.